what was on the sign of the hospital there, we treat and Jesus heals. Amen. Amen. That's so fantastic. Do you notice what we sang today? We sang, you hear my every cry. You hear my prayers. That is a great and precious truth that the Lord hears my prayers. But what if, what if he stops hearing our prayers? What if the Lord decides to screen our calls? You ever have someone screen your calls? What if the Lord decides to screen our prayers so he doesn't hear us anymore? This is what happens in the narrative we're going to read today. The Lord decides to quit listening, to quit answering prayers. If that bothers you, it should. Let me stop and pray before we jump into this text. Lord, this is your word. We are your people. So, Lord, stand in front of me. Will I stand in front of them? Talk over me. Will I talk to them? Do this for your namesake and our good. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we are, 1 Samuel chapter 28. Now, Samuel had died. Who's Samuel? He's the old priest that had anointed Saul. Now Samuel had died and all Israel mourned for him and buried him in Ramah, his own city. And Saul had put the mediums, this is some foreshadowing uh, in, in the narrative. This is just reminding you of something Saul had done. Saul had put the mediums. Now, what is a medium? Well, in, in their mind, I don't know what you think of when you think of a medium, but in their minds, a medium was someone who was kind of a go-between between the physical world and the spiritual world. They mediate between the physical and spiritual. So I'll put all the mediums and the necromancers out of the land. Necromancers were people who communicated with the dead. So just to say this, this is just a note for myself that I say this because I might forget as I get caught up in this story. The Bible never denies the reality of such practices like being a medium or a necromancer. The Bible never says that isn't possible. It just forbids it. It just says don't do it. So the Bible doesn't say nothing ever happens with Ouija boards. It just says leave them alone. Ouija boards would be an example of something that would be like a a medium between the physical world and the spiritual world. The Bible doesn't deny the reality of that, it just forbids it again and again universally. So the Philistines assembled and came and encamped at Shunem. So we know from uh, the next chapter they assemble at Shunem because these are not in um, chronological order. The, The narrative kind of bounces back and forth tells one story, then goes back and tells the other story. The Philistines assembled and came and encamped at Shunem, and then they um, 
so they start there in Aphek, and then they go all the way up to Shunem, deep into Israelite territory. You can see the Sea of Galilee up there, uh, a little bit to the north. This would, this, they're deep in Israelite territory at this point. And Saul gathered all Israel, and they encamped at Gilboa. So that's a Mount Gilboa. That's why we have the green triangle there to show where Saul's armies are located. When Saul saw that the army of the Philistines, so I just want you to remind you of Saul's call, because we're nearing the end of the story. We, we have traveled with Saul all the way from one end of his life, all the way to the other end of his life, or just about to the end of Saul's life. We'll see that in a couple weeks. But I just want you to remind you of Saul's call. In 1 Samuel chapter 9, the Lord says what a part, a major part of Saul's call was, and Saul's call on his life as king was to save Israel from the Philistines. He starts out with a great call. And here he is, and he sees the Philistines, and he's mortified. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. If Saul has one fatal flaw, it has to include fear of people. He believes in God, but he believes in people more. If you can't relate to that, I don't know. It's pretty easy. People are right there in front of you. God sometimes feels like a long ways away. He believed in God, he just really much more so believed in people. When Saul inquired of the Lord, oh man, what's those next couple words? Yeah, the Lord was screening his calls. The Lord did not answer. You agree with that or disagree with that? You're like, well, that's a trick question because it's in the Bible. Yeah, but, I mean, part of you just doesn't think that's a possibility. It's a possibility. It's real, isn't it, Damien? Yeah, this really happens to people. When Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him. Now, now watch this, because it's not that Saul's not trying very hard. Because some of you might be like, well, the Lord's just not answering because he didn't really pray. He wasn't really trying. Well, he's trying. When Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him either by dreams or by the Urim or by prophets. Now, it doesn't say priests because, remember, Saul had killed all the priests. Then Saul said to his servants, Seek out for me a woman who is a medium. Linda said to me, Pastor, it's not fair that it's a woman. Why a woman? I don't know. <laughs> Seek out for me a woman who is a medium that I may go and inquire, they may go to her and inquire of her. Like, I need to find out what's going on. And so find someone that stands between the spiritual and the physical. I've got to know. And he said to a servant, and a servant said to him, Behold, there is a medium at Endor. So look how close Saul has to get to the Philistine lines. You see that? Saul is 
so afraid of the Philistines and so afraid of losing his crown, so afraid of losing his life that he's willing to do, take a huge risk and go to Andor to meet with this medium. And so Saul disguised himself and put on other garments and went, he and two men with him, and they came to the woman by night. And he said, Divine for me by a spirit, and bring up for me whomever I shall name to you. And the woman said to him, Surely you know what Saul has done, how he has cut off the mediums and necromancers from the land? Why then are you laying a trap for my life to bring about my death? But Saul swore to her, what are those next three words? Hey, does Saul not believe in God? Saul believes in God. He just believes in people more. But Saul swore to her by the Lord, as the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Then the woman said, whom shall I bring up for you? And he said, bring up Samuel for me. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. Now that's fascinating because it, why does she cry out? Does she cry out because ah, it worked? Like I wasn't expecting it to work. Or does she cry out because she wasn't expecting Samuel to look like he looked? We don't know. There's a lot of gaps in this story. But here comes Samuel up from the earth. And the woman said to Saul, why have you deceived me? You are Saul. Now she recognizes Samuel. How does she put it together that Saul is Saul? I don't know. There's a lot of gaps in this story. And the king said to her, do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a God coming up out of the earth. A spiritual being coming up out of the earth. And he said to her, what does he look like? Or what is his appearance? And she said, an old man is coming up. And he is wrapped in a robe. Now why would that matter, that he's wrapped in a robe? Remember in chapter 15, Saul doesn't obey God all the way to 10. He kind of obeys God halfway. And so Samuel comes and confronts him about it and says, God is done with you. And Saul is like, okay, but at least come back with me and let's put on a show for the people so that people don't know that's true. And Samuel turns away to leave, and then Saul grabs Samuel by the robe, and it tears. And maybe there's still a tear in the robe. That's in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 27. And Saul knew that it was Samuel, and he bowed with his face to the ground and paid homage. Then Samuel said to Saul, why, do you, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? That's what it says. Saul answered, I'm in great distress. I'm really afraid. What was Saul's biggest problem? Really fears people. People are more real to him than God. It's not that he doesn't believe in God. It's that he believes in people more. I'm in great distress. I'm really stressed out. I'm really afraid. Hey, man, we have, you haven't been in any great distress this last year, have you? No, no one has experienced any stress. I'm in great distress, for the Philistines are warring against me 
and God has turned away from me? That's in, in a box because it's really important. Can God turn away from people? I heard some murmuring. Like, it's in the text, but I don't know if I believe it. And God has turned away from me and answers me no more. He's screening my calls. The Lord is screening my calls. He's not answering me, either by prophets or by dreams. Therefore, I have summoned you to tell me what I should do. God will not answer my prayers, so I go to this witch, and she brings Samuel up from the dead. Now tell me what to do. And Samuel said, the ghost of Samuel, the apparition, the, the spirit, the dead Samuel said, Why then do you ask me, since the Lord has turned away from you? Like, if God's turned away from you, there's nothing I can do for you. Oh, the Lord has turned away from you and become your enemy. Can that happen? The Lord has done to you as he spoke by me. Remember chapter 15? It's all come true now. For the Lord has torn, remember the garment that was torn, the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor David, just like he said he would. And really, the narrative has been, Saul has been fighting God for control of Saul's future ever since chapter 15. God has said, I'm going to take away the throne, and Saul has said, no you're not, I'm going to keep it, and Saul has been fighting God for control of his future ever since then. Because, now here's why God has turned away. Here's why God has become his enemy. Here's why God is screening his calls. Because you did not obey the voice of the Lord and did not carry out his fierce wrath against Amalek. Amalek. This is chapter 15. Therefore the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will give Israel also with you into the hand of the Philistines and tomorrow you and your sons you're going to come down here with me. And the Lord will give the army of Israel also into the hands of the Philistines. Everyone will pay a bitter price for Saul's disobedience. Then Saul fell at once at full length on the ground, filled with fear. What's Saul's, what's Saul's fatal flaw? Fear of man. Fear of man. Fear of man. Filled with fear because of the words of Samuel, and there was no strength in him, for he had eaten nothing all day and all night. And the woman came to Saul, and when she saw that he was terrified, she said to him, Behold, your servant has obeyed you. Now, what had Saul gotten wrong? He did not obey the Lord. Why was the Lord screening Saul's calls? Because Saul had not obeyed the Lord. Now, this is the same Hebrew word that she uses and says, look, I obeyed you, now you need to obey me. 
And this, this word for obey can, can translate our English words listen and obey. Because in Hebrew, the idea of listening is super related, like the same thing as the idea of obeying. Like, like with your kids, when they're not obeying you, you say, why don't you listen to me? Well, what you mean is, why aren't, you don't mean why aren't your ears working, you mean why aren't you doing what I'm telling you? So that, that idea of listening and obeying is the same thing. So I have these circles so you can see them. Behold, your servant has obeyed you. I have taken my life in my hand and have listened to what you have said to me. Now, therefore, you also obey your servant. Like this is that same word over and over and over and over again. You should obey me and set, uh, let me set a morsel of bread before you and eat therefore, uh, that you may have strength when you go on your way. And he refused and said, I will not eat. But his servants, together with the woman, urged him, and he listened or obeyed their words. And he arose from the earth and sat on the bed. And the woman had a fatted calf in the house, and she quickly killed it. And she took flour and kneaded it and baked unleavened bread of it. And she put it before Saul and his servants, and they ate. And they rose and went away that night. And Saul, Saul obeys the medium and eats and will not obey the Lord. Okay, so if I drew a circle and asked you to put in the circle what this text says about God, what would you put in there? So, what's that? All through, All through him. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in this passage, it, 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 you see an example of the Lord screening Saul's calls. Like, not answering prayer. Now, why does the Lord not answer prayer? And, and here's... here's the hard truth that I would put in here, the truth that we don't all like, that we don't all want to hear, but this is what it, the text is pretty clear about. The Lord turns away from those who don't obey him. He turns away from those who don't obey This, in fact, is what we read about in chapter 15. So if you have your Bibles open and you want to turn back there with me, you can. Um, I'm going to read it out loud to you so you don't have to if you don't have, your, if you don't have it with you, if you don't want to turn that, that far that fast. But I want to go back to chapter 15. And I just want you to see that as Saul did everything he could to fight God for his future... Because he wanted, he wanted to remain king. He wanted to keep the crown in his family. He wanted control over his destiny. And so he fought God for control. The Lord, the Lord finally turns away from Saul. But I want you to see that Saul had turned away. The do not obey part is what I want you to see. Saul had turned away first. So after Saul refuses to obey, we read... In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 11, the Lord saying, I regret that I have made Saul king. Now why? 
for he has turned back from following me. Who turned away first? Saul. Saul turned away first. How do you know that Saul had turned away from the Lord? Because he did not obey, because he has not performed my commandments. So if I can give this to you visually, what I would say is think of a relationship, and I know I've used these chairs before at other times, but I think it, it just helps to see it. The Lord was turned toward Saul, and the Lord gave Saul commands. But Saul didn't obey the Lord, and so Saul turned away from the Lord and wanted to maintain utter control of his life. He didn't want to submit to the Lord. He didn't want to obey the Lord all the way to ten because he was more afraid of people than he was of God. And so he turns away from the Lord. And so what happens eventually is the Lord turns away from him. And then when he's trying to get God to do what he wants and save him so he can keep his crown, the Lord stays turned away from him. So if this is true, what should we do? Well, number one, we want to learn from Saul. We want to learn from Saul's pain. These narratives are in the Bible so that we can learn from them. We want to learn from Saul's mistakes. You have people in your life that you want to learn from what they get right and you want to learn from what they get wrong. We want to learn from what Saul got wrong here and we want to make sure that we are fearing God and not people. So this was Saul's fatal flaw that followed him throughout his life. So all the way back in chapter 13, when he's fighting the Philistines and he's really afraid, and his people are really afraid, and his people are scattering, he messes up, He try, trying to maintain control of his life, trying to maintain control of the kingdom, trying to maintain control of everything. He takes things into his own hands, says, my will be done, and offers a sacrifice too soon because he's really afraid that his people are going to leave him. That's in 13.11. He's fearing that people will leave him. That's his biggest fear. That's what drives him to sin. You never are afraid that people are going to leave you. Are you? Like afraid that you're going to be left out, afraid that you're going to be alone, afraid of being lonely. It's, it's when the fear of people is bigger than the fear of God. He's really afraid that people are going to leave him. And we can learn from that and say, as real and as big and as scary as people leaving is, don't let that dominate our lives. Make sure God is bigger in our eyes than people. He's also really afraid of his critics. So he's afraid of people leaving. He's also really afraid of his critics. This is what we see in chapter 15, verse 20, 24. He's really afraid of his critics. And so I want to read that to you. When Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. This is when he doesn't obey God all the way to 10. I have sinned for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. He's really afraid of his critics. He's really afraid of 
people not liking him, not obeying him, and him losing his crown. Here's the irony. Because he wants so badly to keep control of the people, the people control him. Because I feared the people, I obeyed their voice. This is true for us. When we have to have someone, when we have to have them, we think we have to control them, they end up controlling us because we have to have them. He's afraid of people leaving. He's afraid of his critics and he's afraid of what he perceives as the competition. And so as he is afraid of David, he becomes David's enemy in 1829. This fear of people will follow Saul all the way through his life. It's not that he doesn't believe in God. It's that he believes in people more. It's not that God isn't important to him. It's that people are more important to him. What, what would you... So if you ask Saul, what's worth turning away from God? He might tell you, well, I don't want to turn away from God. But functionally, what you see him doing is you see him turning away from the Lord because he's afraid of people and because he's afraid of losing his place, his position, his power. And I wonder for us what we would think is worth turning away from the Lord. The Lord turns away from those who don't obey, so make sure you fear the Lord more than them. And part of the way you can do that is by reading narratives like this and seeing the arc of somebody like Saul's life and saying, I am not going to do that. I am going to fear the Lord more than them. The second, the second takeaway I would offer you is to don't, not confuse regret with repentance. So see how Saul is super stressed out. He, I mean, you, you see he's stressed out, right? He's not eating or drinking. He's laying on the floor utterly spent. That's not repentance. You see him being mortified, like really, really afraid. That's not repentance. You see him knowing that he's sinned. That's not repentance. That's what I would, what I'm calling here regret. He has a lot of regrets. He knows he's messed up but he's not ready to change. See, how would you know if Saul is going to repent? He'd change his ways. You know what he would do if he was really going to repent? He would turn back towards the Lord and he would give the stupid crown to David. That's what he would do. But instead, 
He fights for control of his future. He fights to be Lord of his life. He fights to get God to do what he wants. And he holds on to the crown. So don't confuse being stressed out, being exhausted, being tired, feeling guilty. Don't confuse those things with repentance. Repentance is turning to the Lord and giving him whatever it is that you'd rather die than give him. That's repentance. Look, I don't know how this, I don't know how this lands with you, but, but for me, and I'm just going to probably tell you something, I don't know, I, maybe you already know, but you probably already know. But like, I can identify with Saul so much. Everything Saul gets wrong, I'm like, I could get that wrong. I probably get that wrong half the time. Like, is there anybody here that you've never been concerned about what people think? That you only ever care what God thinks? Never worried about your critics? Never worried about people leaving? Never worried about the competition? Never just settle for regret rather than moving towards repentance? Is there anybody... This is why this is why we need the gospel we need the gospel you know Isaiah tells us like gives us a foreshadow of Jesus coming and it says this in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 6 all we like sheep have gone astray we have turned every one to his own way. Every last one of us has turned to his own way. Every last one. We've all gone astray. We've all turned to, his, to, our, to our own ways. We've all said, you know what? I want to be in charge of my life, and I'm going to make my own decisions, and I'm going to go my own way. Every last one of us should be able to agree, identify with Saul at some level. What's the gospel? I mean, that's the bad news. What's the good news? And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Lord turns away from those who don't obey, so we need the gospel where the Lord turned to us and said, I will bear your iniquity, so turn towards me. And when we turn to the Lord and we say, Lord, I turn to you, I give you control of my life, I give you the reins of my life, I give you the authority in my life, you be in charge, I'm not. I'd rather die than give up the power over my life, the power to make decisions. I'd rather die, but I'm going to give it to you because I know I can trust you with it. This is what it is to trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior.
Would you turn to him? Would you turn to him and say, Lord, I trust you. I've been turned away from you. I've been doing things my way. I've been fighting for control of my future. And Lord, I turn to you and I'm going to trust you that you will forgive me of my sins. That, that you are trustworthy with lordship in my life. I'm going to turn to you and give you all of it. I want you to feel a level of urgency with this decision. What we learn from Saul is that you don't have forever. What we learn from Saul is you can't always see the final day coming. You can hear the clock ticking, but you don't know how long you have. Would you turn to the Lord? The author of Scripture says, today is the day of salvation. Make this decision today. Turn toward the Lord today. Today is what you have. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you are trustworthy and that we can turn to you. And Lord, I ask you for grace to help us do it. We're going to sing, oh, for grace to trust you more. Lord, that you would give us grace to turn to you. That you would give us grace to confess our sins. That you would give us grace to repent. That you would give us grace to change. Lord, we need you to help us repent. To drive us to our knees. To drive us to change. Lord, let us run to you knowing that you're running towards us. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.